You're listening to the best barbecue show, the show where we talk, taste, and even try to cook the best barbecue in Texas, which is the best barbecue in the world. Uh, we got another episode of the Operation Barbecue Relief. This time we're talking to a co-founder, Will Cleaver. Uh, he started off uh, in Joplin with uh, the original Operation Barbecue guys, and he's been their operations officer ever since. Uh, these guys are just doing amazing work. Anytime there's a disaster, serving hundreds of thousands of meals, they're at almost 2 million meals. I think they just broke 1.7 million. I think y'all should volunteer with them. Uh we can put a link in the show notes, click on that, or just go to operationbarbecuerelief.org and volunteer. I know all you meat men and meat women out there want to find some way to help out, and this is the best part of the barbecue family is the part that gives without expecting anything in return. Uh, so enjoy this wide-ranging episode with Will Cleaver and Operation Barbecue Relief. Welcome, Will. So you're part of Operation Barbecue Relief. It's pretty huge. Yes, uh, I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, we started back in 2011 in May. So I know you've got you've served what almost two million meals. Yeah, just over one point seven million meals uh, going into this year in twenty four states. Correct, and, and 40, uh, forty four disasters. Forty four disasters, almost a year of work. Yeah, um, you know it, it's uh, the last year uh, we did over seven hundred fifty thousand meals nice. uh, since it's been August of last year. I mean, you guys are approaching like three hundred days of actual yeah events. It's, it's it's hard to think about the numbers and look back and just realize what all's gone on. Nice. In the last seven years. And you've got, what, almost 7,000 volunteers? Correct. We've got uh, about 7,000 email addresses and probably around 700 uh, real active volunteers that have been on deployments in the last several years. And that's all over the country, right? Correct. Correct. So you just got people that kind of jump up whenever they... Yes. Uh, we, we've got a core group uh, based in Kansas City and out of Memphis. Um, and then we've got people from all over the country that get involved depending on where the disaster is. You know, it all boils down to who can take off work and, yeah. and, and manage their own time and personal lives and, and give back. And so who, you know, you're one of the founders. Uh, how did this all start? Uh, that, you know, funny enough, uh, it started via social media on Facebook back in 2011. Uh, I went to school in southeast Kansas at a small school, Pitt State, uh, which is about 30 minutes from Joplin. Uh, so the, the night the tornadoes went through in Joplin, my wife and I were actually listening to police scanners trying to check on friends, see what was going on. Uh, the next morning, woke up. Um, saw that uh, Stan, who's a, a fellow barbecue competition cook that I cooked against, uh, was coming out to uh, Joplin to try to provide meals and reached out to him. And about day three into that endeavor, we thought we'd do about 3,000 meals, uh, ended up doing over 110,000 meals. And kind of day three, kind of realized we'd caught on to something that uh, really filled kind of a gap that's out there in regards to disaster relief. And I, you know, we're based out of Austin, so we've had a ton of guys that we know have yeah. gone out and met you uh, for Houston and a lot of the other disasters. Uh, what, you guys just saw something good and kept it going? What, what really drove you to, to grow this big? You know, it's, it's one of those things I don't think we ever looked back. You know, back then, we didn't look at where we were growing to. Um, it really was a matter of, one, I don't think we would have imagined we'd gotten to where we're at. Uh, but it really kind of boiled down to competition cooks are used to leaving their house Friday morning, setting up Friday afternoon, and then they're leaving Saturday afternoon after the competition. Uh, self-contained, health department certified, a lot of the core people do catering. 
Uh, so we're used to dealing with health departments, but never really realized how that fits into disaster relief. Um, and just that mobility, that we can actually be on site, um, depending on where the disaster is within 12 to 24 hours, and, and be wow. up and cooking. And that's just part of your network. You've got people that are, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in this town, which is right next to that. Or? It, is, it is a grassroots piece. Uh, you know, a lot of the times when a disaster happens, we're reaching out to, we have state leads. Um, our state leads are really our kind of eyes and ears on the ground, almost like a scout. Uh, because what you'll see in the media, uh, not to downplay anything, anybody losing something, uh, but sometimes you'll see a tornado come through and they'll show one cul-de-sac. All the other houses are still standing. Uh, so you don't get a real idea of what the scope of the disaster is until you actually get eyes and ears on the ground talking to first responders, firehouses, churches to know what's really going on. Our state leads do that. Our volunteers do that for us. So we have a better idea going in what may, what may be going on and what may the need may be. Amazing. And so do you... Uh, you guys do fundraising. Uh, mm -hmm. I noticed your website has an awesome number of donate buttons. That's yeah, smart yeah. and great. Nonprofit. We have to ask yeah. for money. No. Well, yeah. And, and it, it's great because I, everyone I've talked to, you know, is happy to jump to it, to cook, to give yes. money, to give their time. Uh, have you? Do you see this growing even bigger? I mean, I, I feel like it's a unstoppable train now. We've, we've got uh, a lot of ideas uh, and challenges that are unique even in the nonprofit world. One of our biggest challenges is that we don't have a consistent program. Uh, we've all seen uh, nonprofits that may do something for kids going back to school. You know, you, you know the area that's being helped. You know when it's going to be happening. You have time to pre-plan. We don't know where the next disaster is, so that really hurts us in a lot of regards to a continual donation stream. Um, now when disasters happen and it's on the national media, donations are coming in. But if it doesn't get national attention, the donations aren't there. Um, luckily, that carries over from the larger ones, so we can keep doing what we're doing. Uh, but as we continue to grow, we've got a lot of stuff coming up here just in the next two weeks uh, to kind of help not change our mission, but continue doing what we're doing. Uh, disaster relief is our focus, uh, but we've always done things called day of giving. It gets an opportunity to actually uh, bring people in that have not been around the equipment, new volunteers to see how it works. Uh, but then it also gives back to the communities, whether it's helping veteran organizations or community-based organizations throughout the year, during the holidays, that kind of thing. And so you're trying to create a more consistent schedule to get people Correct. more involved. Correct. You know, it, and that's, that's the biggest challenge we've had. Even we've gone in and talked to other nonprofits, there really isn't a model for what we do. Um, and so there's no mapping. There's no book to go read and say, oh, here's how you do this. Uh, but for people who are out there that want to get involved, you know, let's say there is a disaster... Uh, is there, can they just call you and you can kind of send them in the right so, direction? Or? So we've got a mobile application. Uh, if you go out to either Android or to uh, Apple, wow. it's uh, called Operation Barbecue Relief. It's a volunteer application. You can sign up. It gives us your information so that we get ready to deploy. We send out a mass message to people saying who's available, here's what's going on, here's what we know. Um, that's starting to get, grow even further to where we're incorporating some training so that when we do go into a disaster, we know we have the right resources. We also understand our skill sets. Uh, of the volunteers, and it also understands where those volunteers can really help the organization. Uh, people don't realize that uh, their own social network by following us on Facebook uh, and sharing our information gives validity to our organization that we wouldn't have. Wow! Um, if you share it, people that are following you are going to be like, oh, well, he shared it. It, it. Let me go see what this is about. Um, and, and that grassroots and that growing, uh, we found times where we're in need of proteins and had a, in a, a small neighborhood that we're working with. And a lady walked up to me and said, here, I've got a phone call for you. And I answered the phone, just trying to be polite, and it was her daughter. 
and her daughter starts telling me about, well, what can we do? And I'm like, who is, you know, who is, I'm trying to figure out who this is, what do you mean? Well, ends up she works for Tyson. Amazing. Uh, and she was upper management, and within about six hours, we had a truck show up with five pallets of uh, protein and chicken and ice that we wouldn't have had had not conversation not taken place. So no matter how much we try to do on the corporate side and to build those relationships, it's still that individual network. You don't realize the people you know and the resources you have available to you. Well, and... and uh, honestly, we've been meeting people involved in Operation Barbecue Relief since we started this podcast, and we've actually been trying to figure out who the heck we should talk to. <laughs> so once we, f when I saw the banner here, I was like, "All right, this is it. They're here. I need to figure out." Because most people I talk, oh, I'm not the guy to talk to, you know. I, and you have so many extraneous, you know. Even your website has a dozen people that are all the different levels. So are you guys all in the same place? Are you spread out all over the we're country? All over the country. Um, again, Stan and I are both in Kansas City. Um, we've got part of our executive team. Uh, again, Stan and I in Kansas City. We've got guys in New York. We've got guys out on the West Coast. It's all spread out. Um, none of us are doing this as a full time. Uh, right. We all have jobs and stuff that we deal with. So that, that adds to its own challenges, and we're trying to figure out what's the best way is to address that. We always want to be very careful of how um, donors see where money's being gone, where it goes, how it's spent, how it's managed. Yeah, I saw we, there's a lot of transparency on the money. We, we really want to make sure, you know, my goal on the financial side is that I, I want us to be a model for how nonprofits should be run, um, just as our operations in regards to disaster relief. We really are kind of changing that paradigm of how, that is, how that's managed, how mass feeding can be handled. Um, you know, we're fortunate to where we've got an incredible group of volunteers. Everyone has their own why, and, and we have a little hashtag, what's your why? Um, it, it, everyone's doing this for different reasons. Uh, the ability to give back is always great and, and pays back tenfold. But you start to dig, dig into the individuals and hear their stories, and it's amazing whether they've been through a disaster themselves, a family member, and that's what's driving them to give back and be involved more and more. Um, to just generally wanting to help somebody else out. You know, I, I think it's, it's a great chance for people to be involved in something that you, you hear so much negative in the media anymore and so much negative in the world, and you get around this group of people and you realize that there's so many people trying to do good, but that story's not getting out. It's not being heard, and it really gives you an incredible outlook on life and people in general. Well, just to give you a little background on our podcast, since we started, we've been... We, we've kind of had no uh, patience for anyone who has bad things to say, but <laughs> we got lucky because we're, we report on barbecue, and you know the barbecue family is exactly. always growing, always spreading. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing. There, there's 225 teams here, and besides like a couple that kicked us out of their tents, uh, everyone's been welcoming, everyone's happy to meet us, happy to hear where we're from. We talk about, I mean, the barbecue world is a giant family that just never stops growing. Yeah, and it, it, it's, the, it's the only time I've ever been involved in an organization uh, or from competition cooking to where you show up in an event and you forgot something. Your neighbor you, that you don't even know is offering up whatever they've got, even to their own detriment. You know, yeah, we all want to beat each other, but we're also cheering for each other. And it's, it's a very unique uh, world to be in, and you get very fortunate to be around it. Well, and do you feel like... Uh I feel like there's not really, you know, there's other volunteer things. Like when Houston happened, you know, I knew people with trucks and boats and oh, they yeah. were all driving. But at some point they just said, y'all turn around because there was just too much of that. But you guys really have a place for people to show up, do work and, and and put that energy towards something. And I think that there's not a lot of people out there doing that. And it, it, we're again, we're very fortunate. The volunteers of this organization are amazing. Um, we've got volunteers that, again, uh, will show up on deployments to help cook, bring equipment in, run equipment back and forth. Then you have a, a bunch of volunteers behind the scenes that without them we couldn't be deployed. 
uh, people that are retired that may not physically be able to be out in the sun or the heat or the physical activity, but can be on the phone, can be answering emails, be forwarding information on to other people, that it takes all those people, both not only during the deployment, but in between deployments, to make this work. So do you have some sort of organizational plan, or how do you even distribute? Because <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, you, you guys are running a... a a company like this isn't just a bunch of guys trying to help you guys no, you really find people and you put them in the right place yeah it, it we've we've learned a lot um, you know passion takes you so far and then you start to find out the skill sets of people and trying to figure out the right people to be around to promote what you're doing in the right way the right messaging the right attitude um, to be inclusive to bring in people from all backgrounds to help others uh, and it, it's amazing to find those people and, and spend time with them so you all started in what, 2014? 20, 2011. 2011. And so was that a, a disaster that got you started? That was the Joplin Tornadoes. So the Joplin Tornadoes yeah. was, was ground zero. Pe people have been doing beginning. this kind of thing on a smaller scale since cooking began. Um, you know, whether it be helping your neighbor with the crock pot or what. They, people always wanted to help. Uh, I think we've just been put in a unique spot to be able to take that and, and create a model uh, that can be, gone, or can be used across the states. So give me the big wins between Joplin and now. What have you guys been, you know, wh where did you kind of like grow? Uh, you know, for me, it was, you know, after leaving Joplin, it was a matter of can we do this again at this scale? Um, you know, and two years later, three years later, we had more Oklahoma um, and learned a lot and kind of changed our model a little bit more. It's a, it's a continual refining of a process um, so that you can be as efficient as you can with the least amount of volunteers, equipment, all that. Right, of course. So that you're, you can get the biggest impact. And it's all about the impact. Um, and when we make this statement of that, you know, our numbers are, are mind-blowing. And I think a lot of people can't even get their head around that. You know, we, we try to come up with different ways to make it make sense. But you say 1.7 million meals. Um, and we'll have guys that will come in and, and people that come in and say, you know what, I've catered. Uh, I've, I've done weddings with my wife and I for 500 people. I get what you do. And then they show up on site and they go, oh, my God, I had no idea. And then they get involved in the organization and they go, I had no idea. It, it's just a continual knowledge of... of what it really takes to make it happen. Um, you know, you look at a restaurant that does 1,200 meals in a good night, and we're doing 5,000 at lunch. Uh, just gives you the idea of the volume that really is happening. You know, it, it's opening up five large restaurants for a night, and you're providing that many meals out to individuals that need them. Um, and so at this point, are people, you know, you, you probably need tents, you need plates, you need all that. that you so, just figured out oh, the yeah. logistics? Uh, the, it, and it changes. Every, every disaster is a little bit different. You can, you know, we don't have, uh, we, we have the stereotype of people either think we're a bunch of fat guys drinking, bar, or, you know, drinking beer and cooking barbecue. How could you possibly do that many meals? Or they go, wow, you must be heavily financed. Uh, we have a great group of core partners, but we're always looking to expand that. Um, you know, because you, it's amazing what you can spend on aluminum pans, yeah. number 10 cans. I mean, you figure one number 10 can is 25 servings. So if you're doing 25,000 meals a day, you're now talking about three pallets of number 10 cans that you're going through per day. And that's where people don't, it's yeah. hard to get your head around it. Well, um, you're ordering by the pallet, and that's a lot different than just yes. like going to Costco. Oh, exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, we're always looking for those relationships so we can find partners that are really behind our mission and what we're trying to do. Um, and, and that's something that is an, another struggle. You know, uh, there's, there are a lot of nonprofits out there. Everybody's always asking for money or, you know, supplies. But, yeah, tents, equipment, plates, paper towels, you know, Clorox wipes, 
all those yeah. things, utensil sets. I mean, the, the amount of things that come in and out of our deployments is, is, is mind-numbing. Now, do you keep a warehouse or something, or this stuff just all appears when you need uh, it? No, we, we've got a warehouse in Kansas City, a small warehouse, and we've also got one here in Memphis. Um, and that usually gets us through the first three days, four days, and by that point we're ordering in bulk or we've got, you know, trucks coming in. Uh, but, you know, Houston or even Irma and even Hammond, Louisiana, we had anywhere between six and eight semi-trailers in and out of there during that deployment of equipment, of protein, of, uh, you know, paper towels, foil pans, all that stuff. Um, so it, 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 it truly becomes you take over a parking lot and it's a distribution and manufacturing facility for 14 days. And so... It's just, it's so monumental. I mean, the, the, the size of all of this is crazy. Do you have, uh, are you looking for big partnerships on any specific product or thing or just donations are the best way for people uh, to get involved besides volunteering? If What I would love to see happen is the continual donations are a big part of it, obviously, because we have the ability with our cash, with our partnerships, that if we can't get it for free, we're buying it at just over cost. Right. Cheaper than what they're doing at Sam's or Costco or that. So... By the cash donations, it does give us the flexibility that we can dry and drop ship stuff wherever we need to during a deployment. Um, but at the same point, if we can develop those relationships prior to a deployment, then we've already got the, the, chan the, the uh, distribution channel set up. So like one of our partners, Seaboard Foods, you know, we can bring semi-loads full of pro pork, pork loins, pork shoulder, that kind of stuff in. With Butterball, we can bring in turkey breasts, all that. Wow. So now when we get ready to deploy, we have an email blast go out. Our partners know what's going on. We can have trucks and equipment in route. And so you're here with the Rack Pack? Yeah, uh, yes. Dwayne's one of our, he's over all of our uh, ter our state leads and territory leads. Okay, great. And so how did you connect with these guys? Uh, through more Oklahoma, a lot of the Memphis teams came up. That's when we introduced for them. It just we all clicked. We all have the same motivation and reasons why we're doing it, and it's just expanded since then in the last four years. Amazing. Are there any uh, are there any big Memphis guys you want to shout out or say you hi know, to? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to forget somebody, I'm sure. Obviously, Dwayne and the Rat Pack, uh, John Wheeler and Natural Born Grillers, Forest Night Out, um, Ubons. There's so many teams here, as you've seen, walking around with fl flying OBR colors. Uh, the Shed. These are groups that come in and not only deploy, help us find resources, help us find people, come in and motivate people, just their attitudes, their perceptions and everything. It's a great group of people to be around. And we're good friends with The Shed, so... Uh, she actually, uh, Brad gave her a hat the other day. Ah, so okay, there you go. Got, shed head. Got, got the dedicated shed head. Dedicated shed heads. And we got stuck there in the rain yesterday, luckily, so yeah, they it's, fed it's us and sheltered us. You know, and, uh, and, and it, again, it, it takes that barbecue family to a whole nother level. They're, I mean, everyone's their family. Yeah. I, I can't, there's no way to express the love that comes off of Brooke and Brad and all those guys. Yeah. The moment you, like, they give hugs to strangers. Yeah. They're, they're, that they're, they're an amazing group. All of them are. So we call our fans the Meat Men, hashtag Meat Men, yeah. uh, and our, our fans are people that might run a restaurant and be helping you all out, or just some guy who you know, put, a, put some charcoal on his grill for the first time. So yeah. they're uh, every range. That's awesome. Um, and we ask everyone, what's your message to the Meat Men and women out there? I, I would say if you, if, you, if you get a chance, go out to our website, register as a volunteer, uh, follow us on uh, social media, share our social media, especially we're during a disaster. They don't, people really don't understand the impact that you sharing our messaging has and how it helps us get meals out to people that need them. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you. Operation Barbecue Relief is uh, a giant, multi-headed, uh, <laughs> amazing. I mean, we've been, we've been trying to track you down for a while, so I'm glad we got someone here. Uh, we might steal Dwayne for a second now that uh, yeah. Dave Grohl's gone. And uh, 
We really, we're, we're so thankful for you guys, and it's really amazing what y'all are doing. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. the time. They come in and meet man. Y'all don't see me eat man. Hit on the meat man. Y'all don't see me eat man. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. This has been a production of Glenn Cliff Media, recorded live in Austin, Texas. What